So we begin the series today called Taking God at His Word, the subject being acceptance. So if you're following along in your notes, I would encourage you to get your app out and you can follow along in your notes and when you see the scripture that's listed there, if you touch it, the scripture will come up. But let me start by saying this, accepting that the Bible was inspired for our benefit is foundational to its impact on our lives. Say this with me. Accepting that the Bible was inspired. In fact, let me just let me add to that. Accepting that the Bible was inspired by Holy Spirit. Not just inspired. It wasn't just a good idea that some guys had sitting around a campfire. Accepting that the Bible was inspired by Holy Spirit for our benefit, say that, is foundational to its impact on our lives. Turn to your neighbor and look, look them right in the eye and say to them, the Bible, the Bible is good for you. <laughs> Tell them again. Say, the Bible, the Bible is good for you. Now say, that was in case you didn't hear me the first time. So it would be really easy over the years and the things that I've preached, and even recently in the Holy Spirit series, which we'll get into some of the things that I said about the Bible in that, we'll get into in this series, not today. But today is very foundational, the things that I'm going to be talking to you about Scripture. When I talk to the Bible, I'll talk about the Bible, reference the Bible, it's going to be very foundational. But it would be easy to believe, if you've known me for any length of time, and some of you, many of you have, if you've known me for any length of time, If you didn't listen to what I said each Sunday and only listened to what I said on a specific Sunday, it would be easy for you to come to the conclusion that maybe I didn't even like the Bible. It would be easier for you, be easy for you to come to the conclusion, well, to question, do I even believe that the Bible is valid or necessary? Anybody that's known me for any length of time and doesn't judge me on one service only knows that I'm a reader of Scripture every day, every single day. I read it one way or the other, whether it's in my leather version or in my glass version. I read it every day. Sometimes I read more, sometimes I read less, but every day I'm reading something. You know why? Because I love it. I grow by it. I'm reminded of things when I read it, that I might have forgotten. I'm encouraged by it. I'm reminded, you know what? Sometimes people went through some similar situations and they made it. I will too then. Because His promise to them is His promise to me. Amen? But in order for the Bible to have any impact on my life, I first have to accept that it was inspired by Holy Spirit. If I'm unwilling to accept that the Bible was inspired by Holy Spirit and I just chalk it up to being a good book that for some reason is the number one bestseller of all time, if all I do is chalk it up to being just a good book that's several hundred years old, depending on which version you're reading, whether it's the King James or or the Codex, whatever you might be reading, if I allow myself to believe this thing hasn't been around long enough to really have that kind of impact, God's been around for eternity, the Bible's been around for centuries, there's a big difference in that. If I let myself for a second believe that the Bible is invalidated because it has not 
Uh, it, wasn't so, it didn't fall out of heaven, but men penned it. If I allow myself to think for a second, well, if, if the Bible's inspired by God, then why is Paul an author? Why is Luke an author? Why is Moses an author? If I let myself believe this and I let myself invalidate Scripture because somehow men put a pen to paper or parchment or a leaf and they wrote on this thing and I begin to invalidate the Bible, if I can't accept that it is the inspired Word of God, then I cannot accept neither that it can have any potential impact on my life to change me. I first have to be willing to accept that the Bible is inspired, was inspired, and is inspired by Holy Spirit to do a work in me. Before I can do anything else, listen, I cannot even possibly accept that Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God if I cannot accept that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. I can't. I can't. Even though there are people who have received Christ who have never read a Bible, that does not invalidate the Bible. What happens is the Scripture comes and it brings to us a clarity and understanding of things that have occurred in our lives. And if I receive Christ without reading the Bible, follow with me. If I received Christ before I ever read the Bible, and then I was given a Bible 10 years later, and I read it, and then I say, this thing was written by man. It's not even valid. The 10 years that I have lived with Christ now become invalid as well. How is that possible? Because even though I didn't have this when I came to Christ, when I got this and it explained to me the work of Christ in my reconciliation opportunity with the Father, if I say this is a lie, everything in it's a lie. So I have to ask the question, did Christ really do a work? Am I making sense? So you don't need the Bible, hear me now, and please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, and I'm probably not going to explain it well enough, and people are going to leave, I don't want to confuse you. Holy Spirit, help me to say it where it's not confusing. You don't need the Bible to get saved, you need Jesus. <laughs> but I have to accept that the Word is valid and it's valid not because I read it not because a preacher says it is nor is it invalid because it's a earthly thing that I can hold in my hand it is valid because it is inspired by Holy Spirit and I have to first before I can see a black book with pages I have to first see by the Spirit Holy Spirit empowering people to put the pages and the words of God in print does that make sense to you this morning it's not invalid because I can hold it in my hand it's valid because I accept that Holy Spirit wrote it and he used men to do it. 
if I can accept that, I can accept every possibility in it. And the possibilities that are within the pages of the Bible are so vast and so much bigger than the Bible itself that you could read this Bible a thousand times and only scratch the surface of what the Father wants to release to you. Because every time you read the Bible, what you're going to find out is there's something living in it. Have you ever heard somebody read a book? They've read whatever book. I'm trying to think of a book. Dr. Seuss, The Cat in the Hat. We all can relate to that. And every now and then you'll hear somebody and they'll refer to that. And they'll say, oh, you remember this? Or Green Eggs and Ham or whatever it might be. And they'll refer to that particular book or they'll refer to a line in that book. And that line means the same for every single person. You know what I'm talking about? Because the book is one-dimensional. The book itself is one-dimensional. It is a book born of an earthly mind. It is a book born with earthly intention. It is a book born of man. Therefore, it's one-dimensional. Therefore, when you read that, no matter who reads that, it's going to say the same thing every time. So if I read a line in that, or I quote a line in that, or I say it to you, just like one of my favorite movies, The Count of Monte Cristo, when he's in the prison and he's with that guy that's in the prison with him and the guy says to him, he says, you need to trust God. And the guy says, I don't believe in God. And then he responds to him and he says, but God believes in you. As powerful as that is, it's a one dimensional. It means the same to everything, everybody. Everybody hears that and we hear the exact same thing. That's a book written by man. You know what separates the Bible even though it's in leather pages? Listen to what I'm about to say. You know what separates this? It's not, it's not one dimensional. This was not written by man. This was inspired by God. When I can accept that it's inspired by God, you and I can read the same verse and it means something entirely different. No other book on the planet has the ability to do that. When I read, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life, I hear something completely different than most many other people. The person who doesn't know the Lord and doesn't have relationship with the Lord hears opportunity. When I read that scripture, I don't hear opportunity because I'd already accepted the opportunity. What I hear is need. What I hear is thankfulness. Thank you that you brought that to me. When I read Jesus wept and you read Jesus wept, we're going to hear something completely different. And what I hear today might not even be the same thing that I hear tomorrow. What I hear next year might be completely different than what I'm preaching today. Not because the word changed, but because the word is alive. And it is able because it's inspired by Holy Spirit to produce in me the work that needs to be produced at that moment. Do you hear me today? Because there's the power and the anointing of Holy Spirit to come alive in this. This is not a singular dimensional book. It transcends every age, every generation. It has the ability 
to have as much power and authority today as it did when it was written hundreds of years ago? When you read Genesis today and you find out about the great exodus, it's just as powerful today and you become as involved in that story today as they did 6,500 years ago. When you dig into that, but the day will come. You'll read Dr. Seuss and Green Eggs and Ham and someone's going to say, what is that? Because just like man that comes and goes, so does everything man creates. But everything God creates is eternal. I need to establish this foundation before we go any further. So for the Holy Spirit to have the kind of impact on my life that he wants to have on my life, for him to have the kind of impact on your life that he wants to have on your life, I have to accept that this Bible isn't just words on a page, but every word has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. Someone might even ask, well, there's so many different versions, hundreds, literally hundreds of different versions of the Bible. How do I know which one is which? You know, what I know is this. The series that we just came out of on Holy Spirit, because the Bible is Holy Spirit inspired, if I can accept that it's Holy Spirit inspired, not man inspired, if I can accept that the Bible is Holy Spirit inspired and it leads me to a greater understanding than even what falls within these pages, if I can accept that, then I also can accept that Holy Spirit will sort out the different translations in my heart until it becomes the one I need to receive. Because the truth is, none of these translations, whether they're King James or English Standard or New International or whatever they might be, none of these versions that are available to you and me today, None of these versions are going to produce the fullness, but what Holy Spirit will do is He will take those words that begin as a translation and He will transform them until they become truth and life in you and me. He has the ability to heal the inaccuracies. He's not looking for the jot and the tittle as much as He is the Spirit of the Word because it was born of the Spirit. So if I can accept that the scriptures are inspired, if you're watching online, if I can accept that they are inspired by Holy Spirit, then the truths that are in this can do a work in me, can do a work in you that will help us come to the place where we every day honor the Father more and more. Are you ready? Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, please. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to read two verses this morning. These are the only scriptures that I'm going to read today that I'm aware of. But I want to read to you two scriptures, and that is 2 Timothy chapter 3, or two verses, verses 16 and 17, and it reads like this. It says, all scripture, everybody say all. All scripture is breathed out by God and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, 
Not finished. Complete. Equipped for every good work. All scripture is breathed out by God and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I want to take each of those points and I want to give explanation today as the foundation, as the basis for this series as we move forward. Let's begin with the first one is teaching. To define teaching, and these are my definitions, but uh, they're good enough. Teaching is learning what you did not know. Holy Spirit, Scripture, will help you learn what you did not know. How do I know Christ, who is Holy Spirit? What is this tithing thing this guy's talking about? What does he mean by relationship? When he talks about excellence, what does that look like? Scripture teaches us, brings us into a place that it helps us to understand, come into a knowledge of what we do not know in and of ourselves. When I got saved, and I was hungry, and I'm a, and I'm a passionate person, but when I got saved, and I had a Bible... The only Bible I had, in fact, I got saved, truly saved, when I was 20 years old. The only Bible I had was a Bible that I received from my uh, uh, mother when I was, or uh, mother and her friend. When I was six years old, I was given a, at that time, I was given a red Bible. And even though I don't know who God was when I was six years old, I don't know anything about God. I don't know anything about any of that stuff. What, what is relationship? What's it look like? I'm six years old. I'm clueless. All I remember is coming out of my grandmother's house one day. I was at her house and I was eating breakfast. I like to go to her house and have breakfast because she always gave us what I wanted. She would give us Fruit Loops or tricks or it was, always had sugar. It was sweetened. It was everything I couldn't have at home. So it was the land of never say no. And I went in there. And I was sitting at her table, and I remember this today, vividly, vividly, just like it happened yesterday. I was six years old, which was about ten years ago, and I was at that table, and I remember hearing a horn honk. True story. Hearing a, I've told this before. Some of you are familiar with it. But I heard a horn honk, and I knew that it was my mother because I, I knew she was coming to pick me up, and I don't know where we were going, but I, I remember she was coming. And she came, and it was her and someone else, and I ran outside, and when I ran outside, it was my birthday, and I ran outside, and she gave me this birthday gift. She put this in my hand, and when she placed that in my hand, it, I opened it up, and I tore it open, and I was excited to tear it open, and when I got the box open, it was a red Bible with a little vinyl cover. That was in, what, 1969, and I got this thing, and it's a little red cover and I'm holding that little red cover in my hand that Bible and even to this day I remember thinking to myself what is this I'm six so my mom takes the Bible and she opens it up and in the front of that Bible she has written happy birthday and she wrote the date and this is, you know, and, and she just put the information that was in there and I took this Bible and you've heard me tell this story before but it was the only Bible I had I put the Bible away somewhere. I don't even know how in the world it's in my office right now. Right now. 
But I put that Bible away at some point. I don't know where I put it. All I know is it hung around, followed me everywhere I went, sort of like the cloak that followed the, uh, what's the guy in uh, Doctor Strange. Everywhere I went, the Bible was there. So I'd clean out the drawers. There's my Bible. I'd move something on the shelf. There's this little red Bible. Never read it. Never opened it. Didn't know to read it. Don't know if I could read it. But then when I was 10 years old, I was cleaning out the bedroom because my father told us, said, boys, you need to clean your room because boys need to clean the room. And I'm cleaning out my room. Let me get through this real quick. So I'm cleaning out my room while I find this little red Bible. And I knew I got to read this thing because now I can read and I want to find out what's in it. So I set myself when I was 10 years old, every night before I went to bed, every single night, I had no real relationship with God. I was aware of God, but I wasn't aware of whether I was living for him or not. And really was disinterested in whether it just wasn't important to me at that time. Didn't know that it was supposed to be, to be honest with you. But I would take that Bible and every night my bedroom was in the basement of the house. I was on the top bunk. My brother was on the bottom bunk and we had a pull chain light. And I would climb up on that top bunk, sleeping in the basement, a makeshift room with little homemade walls that all it was was a piece of paneling. That's it. And I went in there and I'd climb up on that top bunk and my bedtime was whatever it was. And I'd go to bed and I would turn that light on. I'd go in there and pull the chain, turn the light on, climb up on that top bunk. And I'd pull that little, I had a, our bunks had little bookcase, little tiny bookcase looking thing at the top. And I had my Bible sit there. It's the only book I had. And I'd pull that Bible out and I'd read five verses. That's all I could take. <laughs> I was 10 years old. This guy begot that guy, and I didn't care who begot who. Well, I didn't even know what that meant. What does that mean? But being the me that I am now and I was then, I had to make sure that not one word went unread. So I'd read five verses. I'd close that thing up. Put it on the shelf, reach up, pull the chain, turn the light out, go to bed. Get up the next morning, start the day, go to school, do whatever I did. That night before I went to bed, I'd pull the pull chain, turn the light on, climb up in my bunk, pull that Bible out, the next five verses. And it has a little bitty, well, now it's discolored, but it used to be gold, little bookmark. And I would put that little bookmark where I was so I wouldn't lose my place. Five verses, five verses. Took me about two, two and a half years. And I read that from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21. I finished that Bible. I read every verse. 98% of it, I had no clue what I was reading. But man, at 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, every now and then I'd read five verses that would get a hold of me so deeply. I couldn't go to bed and read just five. What's next? Suddenly, there were things in that book that were beginning to come alive. Man, I got into the Jericho March. I can't go to bed without knowing what the trumpet's going to do. That's right. And I was filled with awe. Filled with wonder. Ten years old. And I'm reading this thing five verses at a time. I have 
no connection with God that I'm aware of. No desire or even understanding, am I serving him? Am I not serving him? Is, is this sin? What's sin? <laughs> and I'm reading this thing, and I get to the end. Every now and then I'd read that, and it would just come alive. And the words that Holy Spirit sent as inspired were beginning to inspire a 10-year-old boy. What I know now that I did not know then was that was the beginning of an awareness, of a call, and an assignment that he sent me to the earth to fulfill. And he was beginning to awaken me to what he created me for without even realizing the journey that I was going to take between six years old when I received it and 20 years old when I accepted that it was truth. But I read that Bible by the time I was 20, I don't know how many times I read that Bible. Numerous times before I was 14, and then I got another Bible that was given to me by my father with a note inscribed that's in my office. I have every Bible that was ever given to me. Every Bible I preach with today, and I go through them, used to go through them a lot quicker than I do now, but I, I go through them, used to be about one every year, year and a half. And I inscribe things in them, and they're for my children. Each of my children have multiple Bibles assigned to them one day. Might not mean anything to them, but they're going to get a Bible with dad's notes in it. And when I got to the place where suddenly it began to become real to me, Jordan, I began to understand something about this inspired word. I was 20 years old and I still didn't understand. What does it mean? What does this chapter mean or that chapter And then I found myself getting a little more interested in finding out, okay, where one time I would read a chapter and it didn't make any sense to me, I just wouldn't read it again. And then something began to happen and he would say, you want to understand it, dig a little deeper. Now all of a sudden I begin to realize, oh, if I want to understand it, then I need to talk to the one the Bible's pointing me to. So suddenly I'm beginning to say, okay, God, what does this mean? Okay, now I can make that clear to you. See, I was keeping some things from you until you were prepared to receive it. So let me now begin to explain to you what didn't make sense before. All of a sudden, the begots that we so quickly look over, and this one begot that one, and that one begot that one, and that one begot that one. All of a sudden, those things that seem so out of place in Scripture help me understand, Ow! You are a generational God! It's not just the first generation you care about. It's the second and the third and the fourth. And you want each one building on the other. So I never read the Bible anymore. Haven't for decades read the Bible again without reading every single begot. Celebrating. Yeah, he begot him. Woo! Good job, Jacob. Yeah, you begot him. Well done. 
You should be proud of that begotten. Because I came to the place. Are you hearing me this morning? Where suddenly what began as just a little red cover book. Literally changed my life. You know what? I didn't have the voices around me that some of you have. And sometimes maybe that was better. Because I couldn't lean on the voices like so many can today. Sometimes we lean too much on the voices of the people around us and they influence us so much we miss out on what's really truly inspired by Holy Spirit. I said to my wife the other day when I was 20 years old and I went down and I said, Christ, I don't get it. I've read about you since I was 10 years old in this book. I don't get it all, but I want to. When I gave my heart to Christ, when I received Christ, can I tell you what I didn't do? I never looked back. I never looked for a way to compromise my beliefs. I never looked for a way to keep one foot in the earth and one foot in the heavens. I never looked for a way to satisfy the pressures of friends. I looked for a way to lay my head down on my pillow at night and say, God, are you pleased? I looked for a way to separate myself from everyone else. Not blend in so much you can't tell the difference between what's righteous and what's not. I looked for a way to insert myself into situations where I could demonstrate, not be a part of. Does anybody hear me today? But you know why? Because I was inspired and I was learning. Scripture teaches us, and you know what I did not know? I didn't know who I was. But I began to read that five verses at a time and suddenly I was learning. I didn't even know I was learning. And Yahweh said, I'm going, to inspire, I'm going to send Holy Spirit and He's going to inspire these men to put my heart and my soul and my passion in the pages of a book that will be so alive it will talk to each individual that reads it specifically. Each person has a personal relationship with the truths that are in it. And as I begin to read it, I begin to learn and I begin to see things and understand things even when I didn't know I was learning that today I still lean on. I still go back to that day climbing up in that bunk. I can see myself climbing up that ladder, climbing into that bed, knowing the most important thing for whatever reason, it didn't make sense to me, the most important thing I was going to do on that day at 10 years old was read those five verses. Sort that out in the mind of a man. Today, I don't know a 10-year-old. I've never met a 10-year-old that reads the Bible every single day that I'm aware of. Doesn't make me better than them. just means that when I came to the understanding, when something was put in my hand and it was placed, understand the fullness of it. It became important enough to me that I didn't want to just hear about it from a preacher or a family member or a neighbor. I wanted to hold it in my hand. 
And I wanted to find out, what are you saying to me when you say this? When I read Jesus wept, what does that mean? Wept for what? Well, when you read it, you read it as he wept for you. When I read it, he wept for me. Not for Lazarus. (laughs) You need to hear me. Not for lack of faith. But you wept for me because I'm that important to you. Inspired to teach us. Inspired to reprove us. Reproof is a rebuke for violating the truth or truths that we're aware of, that we already know. Now, we read reproof and we read correction. You need to understand that reproof is not the same as correction because correction, well, we'll get to correction in a moment. But reproof is not the same as correction. And I'll help you understand the difference in a moment. But reproof, a rebuke, is what comes to us when we violate what we already know to be true. I can tell you there's nobody sitting in this room today that has not at one time or another you found yourself being rebuked. You knew, you knew, you knew everything in you said, this is not the way, don't walk in it. And yet you did that. You went, hmm, got right in the middle of it. And then while you're in it, you thought you got in it and were going to enjoy it. And suddenly you found out you were miserable right in the middle of it. That was Holy Spirit, his inspired word coming to you and saying, guess what? You stepped out of my favor and into the danger zone. Oh, but it can't be that wrong. It can't be that out of the way. It can't be that misplaced. And he says, well, if it wasn't, you wouldn't feel like you do. Is anybody hearing me today? And then you're miserable. You're pathetic. Has anybody ever felt that? Don't act like we haven't. Every one of us in this room. Well, I'm going to live for the Lord, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to prophesy, and I'm a demonstration, and I'm all of this, and then opportunity comes, and it's like, okay, oh, man, I'm really not sure. You know, I know, well, I'm sure, I'm certain. You know, sometimes we use the word I'm not sure in those I'm sure moments. You need to hear what I'm saying. Because Adam and us, See, Adam looked at that fruit. Adam could never say, he could never say about the tree of life. He could never say about the fruit on that tree. Well, I'm not sure if I should eat it or not. Adam knew when he was reaching out to grab it. I know, I know. This is a no-no. And then he got rebuked because he reached out in the middle of it, felt the conviction of it. The Holy Spirit came and he used the words against him and he said, you know what, you know what to do and you are not walking in it. To him who knows to do right but does not do it, I'm going to convict you. The best thing you can do is repent. Don't do that again. Listen, will you cut your finger on a knife that doesn't belong to you? Leave that knife alone. You fall into a fire that wasn't created to produce something, don't get near that fire again. So it says scripture is for our reproof. It's to come to us. What happens when I read this? You know what I read? It comes alive in me. Because there's things, like I said earlier, there's things in here that it'll matter to you, Nick, but it won't matter to me. Not today.
but it will help me see. Not making things law. Scripture isn't meant to define law in you. It's not meant to produce law in you. It's meant to produce life and spirit. And when we get outside of life and spirit, what it's meant to do is come back and rebuke us and get us back on course. Okay, you got a little, little aside. Anybody hear me this morning? Correction. Scripture is sent to you and me to correct us, to reteach us what has been misunderstood or maybe what's changed. The reason correction is different than reproof is because correction comes, you don't have to be corrected because you intentionally or willfully disobeyed what one knows to do that is right or righteous. And that's the, what I had in there in reproof. If you're following with your notes, you can write this down. Should, uh, it's not the same. Reproof is not the same as correction because when I'm corrected for something, I might be doing something that in one time was absolutely right, but now Holy Spirit's going in a different direction like this. It would be wrong. I, correction needed to come to me when we were doing, not, it could have, when we were doing the, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, we didn't have service for the month of July for all those years. If I'd have continued to do that because I wanted to do that, correction would have come to me. It was right when you started, but it's not right now. And he'll use the word to bring correction because sometimes things are misunderstood. It's not intentional. When I need correction, it's not intentional. My, my misunderstanding, it wasn't intent. I wasn't motivated to do wrong or to challenge his truths. And then lastly, the word comes to me to train me, to equip me, to engage the tools that are available to me. Now that I've learned something, now that I've learned, now that I've been rebuked, now that I've been corrected, how do I walk this out? How do I walk this relationship out with the Lord? How do I live in such a way where he is pleased with my rising up and my lying down? Does anybody hear me in here today? Yes. How do I walk this out? So when he comes to you, when he comes to me, He's always giving us opportunity. And as we begin the series today, and I'm about to wrap this, this service up. But as we begin this series today with the foundations of what Scripture is for, it's to do those four things. It's to teach us, it's to reprove us or rebuke us, to correct us, and then to train us. You want to know how to do this? I'm going to help you know how to do this, he says. I've given you a guide. Scripture points us to a place. It isn't the place. And that has been the mistake for so many generations and in so many churches and is still the mistake that's made today. Too many people make Scripture the salvation. Scripture has never been the salvation. No one has ever been saved by the Bible. Never saved a single person. If that were true, we would just hand them out to people freely. We'd walk down the street and hand them to them. You're saved now. You own one. The Bible has never saved a single soul. The only souls that are saved are those who come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and accept that he is the Son of God and that he is the doorway. And upon doing so, have received now Holy Spirit so that he can teach them and make them aware of everything that the Father has made available to them. I preach the kingdom and I preach out of Scripture and I preach out of the Bible, but you know what? Sometimes I preach something that you can't find a Scripture that will fit. And I've heard people say in the past, well, if it doesn't line up with Scripture, then it's, that's going to be a problem. Well, I'm going to tell you something. It depend, 
you ask two different people, they're going to ask, they're going to try to line it up different ways. If you have 10 people trying to line it up, 10 people are going to line it up differently. What I know is this, if I follow, start right in the beginning, I'm going to stay right in the middle, and I'm going to stay right at the end. And that same Holy Spirit that rebuked me in the beginning will be the same Holy Spirit that will rebuke me in the end if I need rebuking or correcting or teaching or training. It's going to be the same one. So all Scripture was inspired by Holy Spirit to teach me, to reprove me, to correct me, to train me so that I can enter into the fullness a complete man, not a finished man. So that I may become a complete man, a complete woman for the work of the kingdom. Complete meaning I have fully accepted that this is infallible. It's inspired. It isn't left to the interpretation of man. It's left to the interpretation of Holy Spirit to make me aware of what I need to know at any given moment. A complete man that says, now I am fully ready to do what I was created for. As an analogy, let me tie it up with this. You go to Walmart. You buy a bicycle. You put that bicycle together. At what point is it finished? Let me ask again. You go to Walmart, you buy a bicycle, it's in a box. You take the box home, you take the box out of your car, you take it in your living room, your kitchen, your wherever you take it. You open that box up, you have parts everywhere. You have completely followed the instructions. You have put that entire bicycle together. Everything works on that bicycle. Is it finished? No. It is complete. But it is not finished until it fulfills its purpose, and its purpose is that it moves someone from one point to another. A bicycle is not a finished work until it has been ridden, which is what it was created for. It was not created to be assembled. It was created to be ridden. In the same way is you and me. Scripture comes to us, put that graphic up there again, James, to teach us, to reprove us, to correct us, and to train us so that we may be a complete, complete man or woman for the work of the kingdom of God. But we are not a finished man or woman because we now will continue to live out what we have been taught, what has been reproved, what has been corrected, and we are still being trained to live out and to fulfill our created purpose. Does that make sense today? Stand with me if you would, please. Yahweh, I've engaged the congregation. I've engaged the people today. I've released the word that you put in my heart. We've begun today a series about your word as is inspired by Holy Spirit that can be found between the pages of Genesis and Revelation that so many of us own. 
But in so many ways, it has become, for whatever reason, the reasons are many, but for whatever reason, it has become something that is somehow cast aside and has in some ways become irrelevant in the lives of so many. And I would have to say today that the truth is because it has become unimportant and a non-factor in the lives of so many, potentially that is why the lives of so many are experiencing the chaos and the confusion and the frustration that they do. Because the very thing sent to us to teach us and to train us and to reprove us and to correct us if neglected, if cast aside, cannot do the work necessary so that we can be a complete man or complete woman. Help us today to receive what you've given to us so that we can stop trying to figure out how to do it on our own. You've already provided a manual. May your word come alive in each of us as we engage as we participate and we make every part of who you are, what has been spoken and what, has, what will be spoken, as we make every part of that important in our lives. Hallelujah.